Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. With me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. This week, we meet Dr. Pippa Malgram former White House advisor under George W. Bush, no less, to talk about leadership, and particularly what leadership looks like in the future. Clue, she doesn't think it's old white men. Plus, women's health editor Claire Sanderson talks to us about Mental Health Day and her own struggles with depression. And of course, it's our Badass of the Week. The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. runs the world we are going to be finding out next we are lucky enough to have in the studio i mean not just a, any old government advisor no 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 a full-on former white house presidential advisor dr pippa malgram thank you so much for joining us oh thank you for having me um so tell us i mean first of all let's talk white house you were advising george w bush is that yes. correct? what was it like you know it's an extraordinary thing the oval office it's a very powerful place. Um, I watched people's characters transformed as they walked in there. They would come in saying, oh, you know, I'm going to tell the president's policies are all wrong. And then the moment they walk in the Oval Office, they go, oh, Mr. President, I'm so <laughs> delighted to meet you. And you're like, what happened to you? You know, So it, it's a character-changing environment. And uh, I happened to be there when we had seven of the nine largest bankruptcies in American history wow. in one year and 9-11. So we were busy. <laughs> just a few <laughs> things to do. Um, actually, you just talked about people going into the White House and change their personality mm. this week can we talk about kanye sure <laughs> I, i'll give you my theory actually yeah, i have a theory too. on kanye so the president is now under investigation by local authorities because one thing i just have to say is for anyone who hasn't seen the clip kanye got invited yeah. to have a chat with president trump and was quite exceptionally kanye about the whole thing i mean yeah. he was not cowed at all let's go on no yeah. no no so my theory is this because the president is under investigation now by the mm -hmm. state and local authorities where he cannot pardon anyone, I think what he's doing is gearing up to launch what they're calling TNN, which is the Trump version of CNN. No. Yes. No. And to not run again, but to say, you know what, I've done it and this is going to be a bigger platform. This is this is more important than the White House, which arguably it will be because he will have everything from reality television to political talk shows. And Kanye makes sense in that context, why they're having this conversation. <sighs> and he was trying to do this before he got the White House job, right? That was the plan. So 
So he's just reverting back, I think, to the original plan. I mean, Pippi, you've been wow. in the studio well, two I'm minutes. You've blown my mind. <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> that is definitely a mic drop. Yeah, I'm like, Because hmm. <laughs> I think in your new book, The Leadership Lab, you're really talking about the old school kind of, you, say, you call it male, white, heterosexual, dominant type of leadership and this move to a new leadership, which is all about influence, isn't it? Yeah. What is the new leadership, do you think? Well, you know, and to be clear, we're not, my co-author is yeah. a middle-aged white male. He'd be the first to say he's <laughs> in that category. We're not actually saying we should chuck out that old group and bring in a new one, because that would be just as much a prejudice. What yeah. we are saying is that diversity of thinking is the main thing we've got to achieve, and diversity of people helps you get to diversity of thinking. Although you can still have a room of people who are totally diverse saying, Brexit will never happen. Yeah. You can still have that. So it's very much about how 20th century leaders were, were very analytical. 21st century leaders need to be what I call parenthetical, which means not just drill down, but look across, connect the dots, understand the zeitgeist. You know, it's not just about measuring the math, but assessing what's the mood. And I think we're inviting the next generation of leaders to hurry up and join us that have both skill sets. Do you think, though, so in order to do that and the people that get the mood won't necessarily have a tenure of leadership. Yeah. So the leaders that are there need to respect a generation of people that are coming through that don't necessarily look like them or sound like them or have all of the attributes that they consider to be leadership attributes. <clears throat> so which comes first? It's a bit of a chicken and an egg situation. Totally. So what we do in the book is explain, first of all, we don't do diversity just because it's nice. Mm -hmm. We do it because it clearly, statistically makes organizations of any type much more robust. Yeah. So hit them with the bottom line first. Mm -hmm. a Appeal to the analytical. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is all these leaders, it doesn't matter what category, whether it's religious leaders, I mean, look at the situation the Pope is having right now, or community leaders, or political or business leaders, they're all saying the same thing. I am totally blindsided. I never imagined Trump would win or Brexit would happen or China would slow down. Okay, if you're tired of being blindsided, mm -hmm. then you have to surround yourself with people who are actually plugged in. Mm -hmm. And those are probably not all your immediate friends because they're all just exactly like you. Mm -hmm. Same age bracket, same disconnectedness. This is the same crowd. I do speeches all over the world and they'll say, this is so interesting what you're saying, Pippa. How can I follow you? And I say, well, I'm on Twitter. And they go, oh, I, I don't know how to open a Twitter <laughs> account. And you're like, okay, we are in a technologically driven world. And if you want to lead in this place, Place. You can't say, I don't do technology because technology is going to do you. Mm -hmm. So if this is a problem, surround yourself with the new generation. And to be fair, I do think leaders are now making that effort. And I see lots of signs. For example, there's a wonderful company in California, a young African-American woman who was top of her class at Caltech, MIT, and everybody else got hired, but not her. And she's like, what the hey? And what she found was that the HR departments, the human uh, resources departments, were basically seeing the ethnicity and the gender. Mm -hmm. And that created a bias. So she's created this wonderful algorithm that makes, makes you blind mm -hmm. to who the candidate is. And suddenly the hiring rates of people in these other categories is jumping up. Mm -hmm. So people are addressing it. It's just a, a bit slow. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit more about future leadership, how to do it and what it looks like and also why it's going to disrupt your life in particular. Um, 
I don't know that we're going to be able to top the prediction of Trump not running in 2020. <laughs> I'm very into that. But we're going to try here on Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. about to sing along with that. Welcome back to Badass Women's Hour XL with me, Harriet Minton, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. We are talking to Dr. Pippa Malgram, former White House presidential advisor and author of The Leadership Lab. Now, Pippa, before the break, I said we're going to talk about something that's going to completely challenge leadership as everyone listening knows it today. And that is the masculine versus feminine leadership. What do we mean by that? So this is obviously super controversial because there are people who say, oh, there's no difference between how men mm-hmm. think, how women think. That may be true, but there are feminine versus masculine, or we can even say left brain versus right brain. But what what I meant in, in this part was sometimes the PNL, as they call it, the profit and loss, that mathematical decision should be the thing that drives the decision-making process. But sometimes empathy and compassion for your customers, for your employees, for the community actually will do more to preserve the trust and integrity in the brand or the entity. And men and women alike need to be able to play the full keyboard of that possibility and sometimes choose PL as the right answer and sometimes say, you know what, compassion right now is a higher priority. And so fluidity, because right now what we have are a lot of leaders who play chopsticks at one mm-hmm. end of this keyboard, and that's not very good. We want symphonies played up and down the whole keyboard at the appropriate moment. 
Emma, what do you think about that? Because you talk about this a lot, mm. don't you, when it comes to gender in the workplace? Yeah, I'm really fascinated by this, Pippa, so I'm excited that you're here because for me, I've always looked at the workplace and thought that it was very masculine in nature. And I mm. like to talk not about gender, but about the masculine and the feminine. Yes. And I've been really looking into masculine uh, values and feminine values. And I've been looking at creating a culture in my business that is a balance of the two. So, you know, there's competition versus collaboration. Mm -hmm. and I'm of the mindset that if you go if you're too collaborative that's not that's not healthy but equal just equally just being too competitive is uh is is unbalanced as well so I've been looking at you know what's the sort of the 50 50 because I believe that if you look in nature we have male female we have masculine feminine and it's it is designed to complement each other and I feel like the workplace has totally lost that feminine approach and I feel that women who've been successful in a masculine environment have known how to navigate that masculinity and we're not recognizing different leadership styles it's almost like we have this one-dimensional if you are displaying alpha masculine characteristics even though you are a woman you are still seen as a successful leader and I feel like there needs to be a massive shift in that and what are your thoughts on that totally with you so one of the ideas in the book is 20th century leadership was very much about the cult of the iconic leader Mm -hmm. usually a very masculine figure male figure that you know, based on the kind of Jesus Christ and Moses model, you know, we all follow that one person. And frankly, that did not work out too well in most cases. <laughs> it didn't work out for Jesus, did it? Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, Jack Welsh is kind of the guy they always cite. And I'm like, I'm sorry, didn't he run the company into the ground? But anyway, we think uh, 21st century leadership is much more about the ship. It's about the ability to cultivate within the organization all the talent. That's a much more um, sort of both maternal and paternal approach of trying to pull the talent out. And so one of the things that seems to happen is that you, structures do matter. So, for example, most meetings are driven by whoever talks first and loudest and longest wins. This is a really big problem because the quieter voices, the feminine voices, the female voices typically won't jump out. So the problem is we confuse confidence with competence, and they mm-hmm. are two totally different things. And the studies all show that masculine figures, which may include women, by the way, I'm for a long time, I kind of feel like I was almost a guy myself, you know, trying to be in that very butch world. Typically, um, they will say, I'm ready for a job, or I can answer the question when they're only 60% ready. Whereas a female or a feminine-leaning person is not going to say that until they're 100% ready. So you can easily fix this by saying, in all meetings, now we're just going to give equal time. Everybody gets five minutes. And this way, the quieter voices, the more considered reflected voices get airtime. Simple. So that we can fix this. We can create new new balances, but you have to create structures for it. I'm listening to that and conceptually I get it, but mm. I am a high D and I fall into alpha. High ten- D? What's a high yeah, D? What's so a, high D? A, a high D in profiling is basically someone that's re- results driven and falls mm. into masculine mm. tendencies when there's a task. And so that everyone gets five minutes. Mm-hmm. If, we ha- <laughs> if we got to get to an end point would really frustrate me because I would feel bound to a process of I have to listen to everyone when we know exactly what we need to do and I just need to tell you what we need to do. Well, tell so I was you. listening to you and I felt, I felt yeah. my anxiety level oh, just you. went up and I was like, oh, good Lord. That so this me. takes me to a really key point we make in the book. Brace yourself. Mm-hmm. Certainty 
is a serious problem. <laughs> the moment we are certain that we know the right answer, we are immediately rooted in mediocrity because none of us can possibly be wise enough or know enough. So this becomes a really interesting phenomena of how do you, because if you've been successful, which you have, you know, which we all have in this room, you're very confident in your capability because it worked so far. But the problem is the higher you go, the more disconnected you start becoming mm -hmm. from all of reality because you're busy, you have less time. And this enforces your sense of certainty and makes you more vulnerable, more fragile, more susceptible to problems. It's exactly when we need to say, you know what, I'm not certain. But, who, so, but whose responsibility is it? So you can either say to the people in the room, everyone gets five minutes. Or what I say to my team is don't leave a meeting without contributing. So yes. you need to either figure it out at the beginning or you need to figure it out before you leave that room. But if you're in that room, you're there to contribute. And so that puts the mm -hmm. onus on them being in a room and finding a way to participate. So I'm not saying who's yeah. right here, yeah. but there are different ways of thinking <laughs> about exactly the same totally thing. Totally agree. Different structures. But the point is how to get all those voices to participate. Mm -hmm. And and this is, again, back to diversity of thinking yeah. and to make sure that you don't end up with a situation where you're all on one page. The other thing is prediction versus preparedness. Mm -hmm. And so many of us are focused on yeah. prediction. We say Trump will never win, Brexit will never happen. Okay, these are binary bets, and usually those are bad bets to make. It's kind of a mugs game. What you want is to say, we don't know. Let's be prepared for a mm -hmm. variety of potential yeah. outcomes. Preparedness is about scenarios. Mm -hmm. Like Think of the craziest thing and devote a little bit of time so that you're just yeah. more robust in yeah. the face of really big changes, which is what's occurring out there. Optioning, I think, is something yes. that I've gone into a, a yeah. lot more meetings and people say, well, we're not going to go to that it's either A or B. We're going to say it's A, B, C or D. What's our plan for any of those? Because yeah. then if they happen, you're not surprised. Exactly. Pepper, I really love this idea of a new style of leadership. But when I look at some of the leaders that are coming up at the moment, they do seem to be in quite the old school of leadership. When I'm looking at President Trump, when I'm looking at Nigel Farage, when I'm looking at, you know, all the various quite old school white men trying to take over the Tory leadership. It, mm -hmm. They seem to be of that very old school. I stand at the front. I say what I'm thinking. We go with it. I lead from the front model. So I hear what you're saying that we need this new style, but are people actually ever going to buy into it? Are they going to vote for it? So here's what's happening right now in the United States. 40% of the new candidates for public office are female. This is a massive increase. And most of them have no political background. So the American public is saying, I continue to want someone who is outside of professional politics because that's how they voted for Obama. That's how yeah. they voted for Trump. They're still on that pathway. But this time they're saying, I want a female and I think it's because they're looking for a different style. And when you look at the polls, what's clear is that the women voters are saying, I don't care so much about political policy position. What I care about is I want my child to be able to watch this person on TV and not come back and ask embarrassing questions. It's a big I mean, shift. That feels a like big a shift. bare minimum for our political leaders. <laughs> yeah. But we do know research also shows that even when we put women in leadership positions, we judge them more harshly if they yes. get something wrong. Yes. And so we could be gearing up a whole swathe of women to take on leadership roles, but the public are basically going to say, you get one chance. If you mess it up, that's it. All women are terrible. Whereas men have a lot more flex in mm. their behavior and being wrong and, and ultimately 
you know, making a mess of things, they can still come back and do it again. Whereas a woman, you get one chance. You're totally right. For example, and I do a lot of public speaking and all the studies show very clearly that female public speakers are much quicker to the point. Mm -hmm. There is no faffing around, whereas the guys can be like, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. And everybody's so bored and they're still blah, blah. Why? Because that's right. So you're right. We have to create an environment where people give more flex mm. that's a great word i love that word um give more flex and the answer is some will some won't mm. but that's a bit why i feel like the book is a bit of a knife to the throat of the current generation of leadership either get this or you're going to be mo moved out or you need to get out but an invitation to the next generation to hurry up and bring what you have because actually the public does want change. Mm -hmm. I mean, with this crisis of leadership we're seeing around the world, the public wants change. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. evident. Just on that change note, I'm looking at, you know, one of your sections in the book, you're like, learn the lessons of the past, study the present, prepare for the future. Yeah. Now, I'm a firm believer that this new style of leadership is right, is right for these for these times. It's the way that I'm used to leading and mm -hmm. but at the same time you know when you're talking here about looking back backwards i'm like we don't have the evidence to support you know this is an amazing book we don't have the evidence to support this as the majority way of thinking mm. because it hasn't re this style hasn't been done before it's been tested. um mm. so how are we going to really shift people's behavior because i do think we have a tendency to people look back to pre to predict the future i think now everything is up in the air and things have changed so much that maybe you can't do that but how do we um, provide the evidence that this new style of leadership is actually the way forward in yeah. these times. This is actually a really interesting point. You know who raises this exact question is the highly controversial Jordan Peterson. And he says, okay, you can call for all this stuff, but we don't know. Yeah. And he's not wrong about that. So the answer is, are you willing to try? Yeah. And then I think the mood is people are willing to try. But that doesn't mean that you end up with a, a, a more diverse kind of leadership that can't make a decision. I mean, obviously, leadership is about still leading. You still have to have a vision. But the question is, what's the What's the root of that vision? What's your... And, and also, why would people follow you? Now, one of the big things, we talk a lot about technology in the book. And since a lot of our leaders are very disconnected from technology, that alone is allowing the next generation to come forward faster because they know how to utilize it. Um, understanding all the data that's being gathered on all of us all day long mm -hmm. and, and how to use that, how not to use that. I'll give you a little example. They're the most valuable uh, startup in the world right now. It's called SenseTime. It's a Chinese company, artificial intelligence, and it does facial recognition. And it can identify one person out of a crowd of 10,000, and it can identify the emotional state of every person in that crowd. No. But equally, equally, if you go on CNBC Squawk Box as a chief executive and start talking about your company, or you are a politician, it will immediately identify the microfacial movements that indicate that you are lying and set the <laughs> algorithm to short your stock or to <laughs> no say you're way. not going to win in the next election. Many leaders have not registered. This is not future. This is right now, mm. today. So this kind of understanding allows another generation to have authority, you know, that I get tech. So 
I am so excited about that. Not least because we're going to put it on every celebrity ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. About what is going on with them. Um, Dr. Pippa Malm, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to hear more from you, where should they be looking? So I'm on Twitter under Dr. Pippa M. I would have been Pippa M, but then you get Pippa Middleton's (laughs) rear end. So I had to put the doctor in front. But mainly that's the best place to follow me. That's the way to remember it. Uh, The book, The Leadership Lab, is out now. Do go get it. It's excellent. Um, and I'm going to be tracking down that software to check who <laughs> is and isn't lying. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. It is time for our Badass of the Week. Ladies, are you ready? Very important. To win, yes. Ready to win. <laughs> to each to me and Nat. I think we just won't talk about Emma, really, will no, we? No. Poor old Ems. You know what? The trouble is... Any I had, second now, Ems. Any second now. I had it all prepped on my laptop, and then I haven't actually got my laptop <laughs> out. Bear with me. <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to start this week. Uh, so, my call for this week's Badass of the Week is a US Democratic Senator. Mm-hmm. And she is called Maisie Hirono. I hope I've pronounced that correctly, Maisie. Um, She is the only U.S. senator who is actually an immigrant. Uh, She's U.S. senator for Democratic Center for Hawaii. And for years and years and years, she was known as the good girl of the Senate. So she was very polite. She was very thoughtful. She would ask really nice questions. She didn't push anyone too much. And in the last few years... She's basically had a badass revolution and has become the most annoying, most difficult, most badass woman Mm. in the Senate. So she does things like uh, she'll happily call President Trump xenophobic and a liar. Uh, she every time there is a judicial nominee she says that she's going to ask them about their sexual history and have they ever sexually assaulted anyone so that when they say no it's on the record in case it later turns out that they have (laughs) Um, (laughs) she um, happily talks about the fact that she's the only immigrant and therefore she's the only one with an opinion on it Uh, she basically just makes herself a bit annoying and a bit difficult and I really really appreciate that and I think for me she's a really brilliant example of how we can so often write off women and just say oh they're very good they're very nice aren't they they're so so quiet so sweet because she's still being thoroughly nice and very polite (laughs) she's also just being really really awkward and I think we need more nice polite but really awkward women out there so (laughs) Maisie Hirono is my badass of the week I love her a lot that's a very good one yeah (laughs) we shall see uh Natalie, you are up next. Who you got? Again, when you use my full government I know, name, so I don't weird. know how I feel about this. It's just because it's written down and I said it and I was like, it's so weird. Always mm. so weird. <laughs> um, so my badasses of the week, multiple, uh, are the women of the House of York. So Beatrice, <laughs> Eugenie and Sarah Ferguson. Who doesn't love a bit of Fergie? Yes. I love Fergie. And it's not just for the fact that there was a beautiful wedding uh, on Friday. Wedding? Wedding. Wedding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on Friday. Yeah. On Friday. Um, I thought her dress was beautiful. I thought, you know, the tiara was exceptional. But it's because they get a really hard time in the press. And so everything about Sarah Ferguson aside, 
both the two young princesses um, do a lot of work that never makes the light of day. And actually, Princess Eugenie launched an anti-slavery collective in April. How many people knew that? And it's because she noticed that, noticed, she was involved in research to understand why 46 million people were um, involved or trapped in some form of slavery. And so she launched this collective to get um, businesses on board with doing something about it to start a mainstream conversation so if you go into a nail shop or you go and get your car washed oh, you know okay. yeah you know what to look for and no one ever talks about it all they talk about is potentially what they're wearing or or not wearing or how many holidays they take and I think it's because they're women and if they were men they would have as you know, eighth and ninth in, in line to the throne, they would just be a lot more respected. And I think we don't show them the respect they deserve. So they're my badasses of the week. Okay, good it's call. Good I like point. them. I also have to say her wedding dress, my favourite of the royal wedding dresses so far, I have to say. Controversial. Liked it a lot. Uh, Emma, you've got you've to try and beat both me and Nat. And I think we've had strong contenders this week. Do you know what? You both have. Okay, so my badass of the week is Anissa Osman Britton, who is the founder of 23 Code Street. Now, I don't know if you've heard of this. So her business um, teaches code to women. Um, teaches code is for, uh, for all women. And every time one person pays to go on the course here in the UK, they pay for another woman in uh, disadvantaged parts of the world to do a coding course. So there's a real like one for one ethos in her business which I've always loved and she's teaching coding and uh, Anisha's uh, 23 but she's just been diagnosed with um, a kind of a muscular weakness uh, a disease and she this week she had to have an operation but she's been documenting it but and talking about how it's really affected her business how she's uh, had this anxiety about how handing over her business having to put her health first it's having a, a massive impact on her life and she is a young woman trying to do incredible stuff and she had a big operation this week to remove her thymus gland uh, which sits kind of uh, above your heart, apparently, and they were sucking it out to the side. Anyway, I just thought, one, she's really badass for setting up such an amazing company, uh, company, but two, to be going through this and documenting on Medium really honestly about her health journey uh, and about how you deal with being an entrepreneur when you have got such a chronic health condition. So she is my badass of the week. Okay. Well Nearly time to vote. She's a good pick. I, I like her. Uh, so ladies obviously the rules are you can't vote for your own badass so and I'm introducing another another rule (laughs) as from next week that you can't change your badass (laughs) halfway through the production meeting when you've seen everybody else as Harriet Minter second week in the row Uh, I know I didn't change it I didn't have one this week that's why yeah but we're also not Uh, sharing it in production (laughs) Uh, so I'm going to say my vote is possibly going I'm much as I love Fergie and I do love her. I mean I don't know if I can talk about toes but who doesn't love a woman who doesn't appreciate her own feet really um I'm not sure I can give it to the House of York on this occasion now I'm sorry so my vote is probably going to go Emma Wise oh Harriet yay <laughs> One uh, Emma what are you thinking I think yeah I'm with you I I like the fact that the House of York are doing amazing things, but I kind of feel like they should be 
by mm-hmm. default yeah because they are in a position of privilege and power uh and i really liked your badass actually i like the fact Amazing that woman's being difficult but i feel like i'm the kind of woman who's quite difficult so you know how badass is that because <laughs> lots of women are doing that so i vote for mine <laughs> i vote for yours harriet thank you very much that that means you've got the deciding vote just a little reminder mine democratic senator Maisie hirono emma uh, 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 Anisha. Anisha, founder of 23 Code Street. Yeah. I can't believe I'm having to big up your own badass of the week, whatever. Uh, uh, founder of 23 Code Street, documenting her own health journey. I do think that's pretty bad. I think it's quite a scary thing to do when you're an entrepreneur. Nat, who is the winner this week? Notwithstanding the fact that you made Emma choose yours because you were pointing at yourself. Uh, I can't be mad at the fact you chose Emma because I'm going to choose uh, Anisha from 23 Yay! Code Street. Too. I'm the winner! There she is. That is our badass of the week. She is simply the best. <laughs> now we are talking about World Mental Health Day. So it happened earlier this week and all around the world I saw, I don't know about you ladies, incredible women sharing their stories about their own journey with mental health and we're really lucky to have a super inspiring woman in the studio (laughs) with us right now Claire Sanderson editor of Women's Health Claire thank you so much for joining us oh thank you for having me so you were you have been really open about your own journey with mental health but for people who don't know can you tell us a little bit about it Yes, absolutely. I was a a national newspaper journalist and I got to the age of about 27 and by all intents and purpose I I had a a breakdown and I ended up um, going into hospital for for seven weeks and being diagnosed with chronic depression and anxiety. And then again the following year I went back into hospital for four weeks um, with, with similar symptoms. So so I, I've been there and I have suffered appallingly with mental health and it still affects me to this day, but nowhere near as bad as the uh, to the extent it was um, when I was 27. And how does it affect you now? Well, I have good days and bad days. I know that sounds like a cliche, but for me it turns into a bad cluster of days and I can feel it coming on and I've learned to go with it and I know that when it's when it's happening I have to sleep more I have to really look at my nutrition and I have to take a step back but it doesn't affect me to such an extent that I have to take time off work or really check out of life where I know some people really suffer and they they have to remove themselves from from going to work and maybe their loved ones so and I'm I'm quite open with my my colleagues in work when I'm feeling down but maybe not as transparent as I should be because I try and just get on with it um, but I'm very honest with my husband and he knows when I'm not feeling it. At 26 and, and 27 what were the signs before you got checked in because I'm sure there were things happening that now you could recognize but maybe then not so much. Oh absolutely well it started off with just crying for no reason and I remember it vividly it was around the May time and I just couldn't stop crying. I couldn't get off the sofa and stopped crying. But I didn't understand what was going on because I'd never really considered depression or mental illness. And then as the summer progressed, it wasn't feeling sad. It was feeling nothing. Um, and it was almost like weights were pulling down your cheeks, stopping me from feeling happy or sad. I was just existing. 
Then this started getting paranoid. So I was convinced people were talking about me and knew um, what I was feeling. So then I started fantasizing about crashing my car. I used to have to drive to work through the Blackwall Tunnel every morning. And I thought if I just crash my car, um, I'll injure myself enough to check out of life. But at that time, more to to injure myself, not not to end things. Mm. And then it quite rapidly got really quite alarming and I I got to the point where I was planning to end it all and I, I remember very vividly sat in my car outside a big supermarket in Greenwich and the rain was pouring down and I just thought I can't do this anymore I can't live like this so I was going to go in and buy tablets and then the paranoia got to me and I was thinking, yes, but if I go in there and buy the tablets, she'll know why I want the tablets and then she won't give them to me. And then I started going into this spinning out, basically. So I rang a good friend of mine, my long suffering best friend, who, bless her, had, had been on the receiving end of many of these phone calls. And she just said, Claire, you've got to you've got to seek help. And I had previously been to see the GP who had referred me to a psychiatrist who told me I should go into hospital. But I refused because no one wants to be told they're so ill, they need to go into a psychiatric hospital. So um, I sort of persevered. And then it was at that point where I decided I need to speak to the psychiatrist. And then the following Tuesday, I was admitted to hospital. Can you tell us a bit about your experience of being in hospital? Because I I was just sitting here thinking to myself, I've heard that before about people being admitted. Mm. But then I never hear about what what happens when you're actually, if you're open to talking about that in terms Mm. of what is the treatment plan? We all know when we get admitted to hospital for physical health. Mm. But what's the sort of protocol when you get admitted to hospital for uh, your mental health? Well, I was very lucky. I went into a private psychiatric hospital, so I think my experience may have been slightly different to to publicly funded psychiatric hospitals. So what they immediately did is they put you on a protocol of medication, and there's a lot of medication, and you have to go to a nurse's station and have it at certain times of day. They also monitor you, so initially you're put in like an observation room um, to see, basically, you're put on suicide watch effectively. And then when you're deemed well enough to ingratiate yourself with the community, because it's very much a, it's not like people are going in for two or three days. People are there for for extended periods of time, two weeks, four weeks, in my case, seven weeks. And then you go into therapy sessions. So it's it's very much like a timetable where you do CBT and different types of therapy. Now, I never got on with the art therapy and stuff like that. I know it works for some people, never, never worked for me. I'd much prefer to go and sit on the grass. But what it did for me going away for those seven weeks, it gave me time to heal. It, it removed me from the pressures of work, from the pressures of life, from the pressures of being a national newspaper reporter and just to be me and to, you know, not have to put on a front every day and you can just accept it and go, I am ill and I'm here to get better. And there were people in there far iller than me, you know, but people were having psychiatric breakdowns and it was it was an experience, but I think it's, it's made me a better person, it's made mm. me a more rounded person, it's made me a kinder person and more considerate to the experiences other people go through. Mm. Do you think we're talking about mental health too much? We talk about it a lot on the show here. We regularly talk about, you know, the benefits of 
therapy. But some of the pushback that I hear a lot is, you know, oh, we're talking about it too much. And, you know, people are just deciding that they've got mental health problems because they're seeing everyone post it on social media. Do you think we can ever be talking about this too much? No, I absolutely don't. I think the more and more we talk about this, the less of a stigma Mm -hmm. it will become. And I sincerely hope that in the next few years or in the next five years, we'll be talking about mental health just as much as we do physical health and consider it the same. Mm -hmm. What did you do to prepare yourself to start talking about it? Because just listening to you, uh, you know, it's like it's it's not heart wrenching isn't the word, but I, I can I'm visualizing it and it's it's hard. It's hard to hear, let alone say. And it was you. So how how did you prepare? yourself to actually put yourself on a public platform to do so well I never really did talk about it and I kept it quite private so even when I left newspapers and I went into magazines I kept it quite private and I never talked about it and then I got the job as editor-in-chief of Women's Health and I thought I am now a public figure and I have a duty to speak about this and even then I had to seek advice from our in-house public relations team and they said to me are you sure you want to do this because it will follow you around and I took a while and this was last year around mental health day and I took a while to think about it and I thought no I'm not embarrassed I'm why should I be embarrassed there's there was a book um, that I read when I was diagnosed and it's called depression the curse of the strong and in it they say it's the the people who want to achieve the most in life are more prone to depression you know the people who are more determined so why should I be Um, embarrassed about being one of society's most determined to succeed so it's and now I've started talking about it and I first started talking about a year ago it's almost like I can't stop and it's because the reaction I get from people I get emails all the time on Instagram into my work email from women saying I have inspired them I have made them feel better if they can see a woman in my position as successful as I've been in my career and have a and have dealt with mental illness to such a degree and gone on to have two children and a wonderful husband and a great job then that's inspirational to Mm. them and I spoke at the Global Wellness Summit in Italy this weekend and it was about mental health again it was about wellness but there was a uh, they started talking about mental health as you said everyone's talking about it and at the end they went around the panel and there was very senior people from all over the world on this panel like the Washington Post the Wall Street Journal And they said, what do you want to be spoken about in the next five years in wellness? And these people said quite jazzy answers, you know. And I just said at the end, I said, I want in the next five years for us all to be discussing and considering mental health exactly the same as you do physical ailments. And at the end of it, three or four women come up to me crying. Wow. And it just it just goes, I'm not saying I'm wonderful and brilliant for doing it, but I am making a difference and women's health is making a difference. So I'm not going to stop doing it. Mm. We love it. What sort of changes do you think that would bring about? I think it would bring about huge changes. I think, well, uh, mental health is one of the biggest causes of absenteeism and presenteeism in the workplace at the moment. So if people could be open about their mental health issues and therefore seek help sooner, they wouldn't be taking so long off work because I think people are getting to the point where they're having really quite severe depression and breakdowns and then having to take work whereas if they were able to discuss it with their bosses and not feel ashamed and not feel the stigma it would help their careers it would help the economy because businesses would function better and I think it would just make society a a generally kinder place if people were treating each other with respect uh, with their mental health you give someone sympathy if they if they you know god will have have cancer or break a leg but they should um, 
receive the same amount of respect if they've got um, mental health issues. I think I was going to say beyond the the workplace piece, I think we can all acknowledge that um, mental illness is also a root cause of so many other things that Mm. we then um, we treat at the source. So potentially uh, uh, being an alcoholic or Mm. or, or other physical uh, ailments. And so if we acknowledged that in itself and treated it like um, we do or the conversation, um, our, our physical health, we would solve lots of other things. Mm. And I think people acknowledge that, but we need more research into what it's a root cause of. I, there's lots of research or more research being done about uh, the likelihood of a child to have depression if their mother has had depression and the impact of um, then within a family if one or, you know, or more parent have depression, what that does for how you grow up. So I think there are so many things that change if, if we do start to talk about it in that way. Because for the November issue, you're doing a, a, a mental health special, mm. which I think is phenomenal because, you know, women's health has, has been, mm. uh, you know, you, I, I certainly um, connect with the women's health magazine much more with physical uh, health than mental health. So now you really are dialing up that mental well-being can you tell us what sort of things you're going to cover what we can expect from that issue well in in the issue itself we've spoke to 11 women who have all suffered mental illness um, varying degrees varying types but what we also did was we asked to interview the person who helped them who was the turning point because there's so much research saying just talking about your mental health is the first step to recovery mm-hmm. and also it's, it's it's a sad fact that one of the reasons there's a higher suicide rate among men is that men are much less likely to reach out and confide in their friends or loved ones whereas women will so so in the issue we've got 11 powerful interviews with women some high profile some all all amazing women but some of them you'll recognize and we've also spoken to the person that got them through um, their darkest hour and then throughout the issue we've got a lot of mental health content but I know you guys here are all regular readers of men of um, women's health we actually cover mental health every single mm-hmm. month we have a strong mind section we did research last year amongst our audience and the primary reason women come to, to women's health is nutrition but the second is mental health mm-hmm. and you know I think people a lot think they come to us for fitness but actually women especially women our age and uh, professional educated women want to be more educated about their mental wellness not necessarily they've got mental health issues but they want to be mentally well Mm -hmm. to prevent them becoming mentally ill in the future I definitely think that's a shift in in narrative so I think we interviewed you probably a year ago you just started and that was the shift that we'd all recognized that women were talking about mental wellness a lot more they were connecting physical activity so not just going to the gym but going for a walk and getting out and getting Mm -hmm. some air with their 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 mental well-being and I think it, it shows a shift in publishing that that can be part of a mainstream conversation because that's the only way you get to that five-year target. Mm. So my question was going to be, how do you deliver on the target that or, or the goal that you've just shared? All I can do is keep keep doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I am being asked to speak more and more on, on, on the public stage about this. And I, I did a talk at Somerset House recently about the importance of getting outside, actually, mm-hmm. and the effect mm-hmm. that has on your, your mental health and your wellness. I'm here today. I spoke in Italy on the weekend and 
Well, we just released um, a bookazine. I don't know if you know that Women's Health comes out 11 times a year, but we also release sort of bookazines, which is of a hybrid books and magazines. And our one on the shelves at the moment is about mindfulness. So we, you know, we are, we're, we're deviating from print. So we're putting more mental health content on our website. We're doing it in our bookazines. And I'm hoping that me being out there talking will keep the conversation going and other people will take my lead. I think it was so interesting what you said Claire about um, profiling not just women who had had mental health issues but also the people that had supported them because I mm. think we forget how tough it can be to support somebody who's going through that and it really made me think ladies about if you've been listening to the show you know that I had like a bit of a like a little mental health illness over the summer I was finding it really tough over the summer mm. and I absolutely remember coming into the studio one week and just not being able to not been able to do it and having like a good old little sob and you guys giving me a hug and then they took me for a day out and they looked after me and they checked in with me and and that was really the curve that went okay it's going to get better now mm. and I think encouraging people not only just to talk to someone but also to say and if you let somebody talk to you that's an incredible thing to do it's, yeah, it's it, a lovely conversation it's a British pastime to say how are you but you yeah. don't really mean it mm. what, you, what you're actually saying is hello and if, if that person down the corner shop says, oh, I'm having a bit rubbish day, actually, and I'm feeling a bit down, you'd be a bit taken back. Yeah. But we all should be speaking to our friends because the chance of, oh, if you really say to your friend, how are you today? She'll answer honestly and she might be having issues. And then that gives you permission to open up to her as well. And you know the same with our, our parents. My parents are of a generation where they they found it difficult to, to cope when I was ill. You know, they, 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 they didn't really understand it. But I think they're getting better and I think it's, we have a responsibility to educate everyone around us and genuinely inquire how people are feeling and want to know the answer. I think we do have a general vibe though where people try to chivvy people up but I don't know if you saw this week with World Mental Health Day there was a lovely tube statement and it talked about Eeyore, Eeyore in Winnie yeah. the Pooh and how actually he was depressed but actually he still got included and people didn't try and make Eeyore happy they just accepted him as he was and I think I think we can all get better at that because I think there is a temptation yeah. for oh snap out it oh you'll feel you'll be all right you'll just mm. think positive and I think actually just meeting somebody with that depressed state and not trying to fix it and just going should we go out for the day or should we do something different I think that's a skill that I personally feel like I could probably get better at but oh absolutely when like it happened to me about three weeks ago and I had a few days where I really was depressed and I don't use that word lightly because to me depression is very serious I wasn't chronically depressed I wasn't you know sobbing on the sofa unable to get out of bed but my mood nosedived and no matter what anyone said to me you're not going to get me out of it so just let me be and, mm, I, and yeah. I'll come out of it my mm -hmm. my own way you know my my husband struggles with it a bit he's you know you might be listening tonight he, he does struggle with it a bit but um I yeah if someone's really depressed no matter what you say you, you're not going to cheer them up. It's 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 a it's an imbalance in their brain, and that imbalance needs to balance again, mm. um, either organically through getting fresh air and exercise, or eat nourishing your body with with lovely food, or maybe getting medication. But you know, trying to chivvy them up and and take them out for a drink, which is the worst thing you can do if someone's depressed. By the way, because mm. alcohol is a depression, mm -hmm. uh, depressive, but it it just won't work. So mm. you're absolutely right. People need to get better at that.
I think one of the other things to add into the conversation for me, and I think it was very important that you said I was depressed, is that we have a spectrum of emotions that aren't necessarily happy or joyful. So you can be melancholy, you can be sad, you can be feeling introverted. There are lots of things. And I think we need better language around that so people can, or anxious, so you you actually know how you feel Mm -hmm. and the point at which you do need to seek help or the point at which it is about going out for fresh air. We talk about all the time in in terms of being melancholy or so knowing it, it's just, it's a moment and it's possibly connected to this, but you just feel a bit blue. Mm. And it's important to know that. And I do think it's possibly something that women that have busy careers have possibly mastered a bit more Mm. because you need to check in with yourself if you're going to be doing all of the things that are in your diary. But I I think it's something that we we do need to to be pushing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if you look at my absolutely ridiculous daily schedule, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I haven't got time to actually realise how I am feeling. Mm -hmm. and, And sometimes I'm just a bit peeved you know yeah uh, <laughs> there's that one too yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure though especially with social media for a constant state of happiness and like not actually really like you're saying that allowing us to to move through moods because you know you did have a very dark time but you have come out of that but even now you have ebbs and flows of moods and I and I don't think we really fully understand how the brain works and we don't really allow ourselves that it's like this ambition to well you've just got to be happy all the time and do all these things to make you happy and all this self-care and I just feel like that's such a actually an unnatural state and being able to sit with a a dark mood but but having the tools and skills to get out of it is actually we make emotions binary and they're not it's not at all and I we need to start understanding the spectrum i was moaning today that i don't really like people at the moment and i just checked in I, I don't present company excluded perhaps well, so no you guys are doing, anyone that's asking ask me more than two questions i'm like i don't like you just just you need to go away and then i said to h i was like do you have that she's like darling i don't like people generally and i was like oh, this is fabulous All this is time. why we have a show because that's all i need and now it's, it's absolutely fine so yeah but again you need to be able to share this stuff <laughs> for claire's literally edging out the studio it's like what am i doing i like you claire that's good, good, good. glad i came tonight yeah. claire there has been a there was a survey a few weeks ago that showed that young girls are mm. less happy than they have been for quite a long time do you think that is because we put so much external pressure on them and we're not teaching them? You know, so you talked about doing CBT. I did CBT all ago. And I think it should be taught in schools. Mm. Yeah, I think the basic understanding of how your brain works and how you move it around is ridiculously important. It's crazy to me that we don't teach it. Do you think it's because we're not teaching young girls these skills or do you think it's because actually there just is more pressure on them than there has been before? I think it's a combination of both. I think there absolutely is more pressure on them. If I think back to when I was in my 20s, thank goodness all it was was digital, um, the disposable cameras that you wouldn't get developed at the end of the night anyway. (laughs) So there's there's very little evidence of of my nights out in my 20s. But now their their whole life is is recorded on social media Mm. and they're constantly reminded by you know what they look like and 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 they're constantly seeing so many pictures of of celebrities who who look amazing and who train all day and, and the pressure on them is 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 ridiculous um and i do think that we should be giving them more resources to try and cope with the daily pressures because or us sitting here now we didn't have it when we were developing our self-confidence in our late teens mm. i'm 
20s. And if somebody's listening to this now and they are feeling like they're not very happy and things aren't how they want them to be or they might be feeling some of those symptoms you beautifully described earlier, what would be your piece of advice to them? Well, my advice will firstly would be there's always tomorrow because you will come out of it and it, however appalling it feels in the moment, it will get better. And I know what it feels like when you just think this is never ending. I'm never going to feel any different to this. You will get better. But my second piece of advice would confide in someone, talk to someone. And that's not always a GP, actually. Go to speak to speak to your best friend, speak to your mum. Because the minute you start talking about it, you do feel better. It's like a weight off your shoulders because you carry it around with you and it's a stress and, and you, you you feel it sort of... Uh, overpowering your 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 daily your day-to-day but the once you start talking about it that's that's the first step to recovery Claire thank you so much Claire Sanderson editor of Women's Health uh, the November issue focusing on mental health is out now One, two, three, four. this has been the badass women's hour podcast with me Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and MS Sexton if you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.